welcome in to another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. Episode 11, coming to you live from, not the man cave anymore, but Lynchburg, Virginia at Liberty University. It's a little bit of a switch up. Uh, I have a studio around me this time, so that's pretty cool. Not using any, any of the equipment because I don't want to break anything. I don't trust myself at all. But before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them, No Copyright Music. So basically, it's been a bit, a bit of a hectic week. I uh, got back to Liberty this past Friday. So I had to move in, get class schedule, get class books, all this other good stuff. Um, uh, you know, fast forward to today, uh, this is the the only free time that I have is Tuesdays and Thursdays, so, you know, I got the rundown done uh, last night at about midnight, so, uh, let's just say I almost fell asleep in biology today, um, <laughs> you didn't hear that mom and dad, but, man, bio is so terrible, I'm not going to get into that just because I don't want to go on a rant on biology when this is, you know, the greatest sport in the world, IndyCar, I'm just about to be talking about, so, the ABC Supply 500 Race Recap. Qualifying would be canceled, and the lineup would be set by points, placing Joseph Newgarden on pole alongside fellow American Alexander Rossi. Lap 1, Rossi would have an issue getting up to speed coming to the start of the race, and that would drop him down into the clutches of teammate Ryan Hunter-Ray and 2017 Indy 500 champion Takuma Sato on the backstretch. Those three would collide while going three wide, sending Sato into Hunter-Ray, with Rossi getting thrown into their mess as well. All three would come back up the track, tangled together, causing even more chaos. Felix Rosenquist would get clipped by Sato, and then he would go flying towards the fence, getting across the top of the wall before coming to a rest a couple hundred feet away from the accident. With nowhere to go, James Hinchcliffe wouldn't be able to avoid the crash either, and he would also be involved. Everyone would be checked and released by the infield care center, with Felix Rosenquist being the only exception. He would be transported to the trauma center for more evaluation, Fortunately, Rosenquist would come away with no noticeable injuries, and he would be cleared by doctors to get back into the race car. Much more on this controversial accident later on in the show. On lap 8, after a 45-minute delay for fence repairs in turn 2, the race would resume with Simon Pagano leading fellow teammate Joseph Newgarden to the green flag. And then, various green flag pit stop strategies would begin to unfold around lap 39, with Scott Dixon and his team electing to pit early to put pressure on the Team Penske trio to pit sooner rather than later. Dixon would be on hot tires, and a clean racetrack ahead of him would mean faster lap times and massive gains on the leaders that hadn't even pit yet. However, coming out of the pits, Dixon would get the doors blown off by rookie phenom Santino Ferrucci on the outside in turn one, and Ferrucci would cycle all the way up to second before a caution would fall on lap 40 due to Spencer Pickett crashing. And then on lap 47, Simon Pagano would lead the field back to the green flag with the Aussie Will Power in tow. Power and Pagano would swap the lead back and forth for over 20 laps, before Power would finally prevail right before green flag pit stops would begin. Shortly after those pit stops would begin, Colton Herta would crash and bring out the caution, leaving Will Power a sitting duck as one of the only drivers yet to pit. Lap 75, Alexander Rossi's crew would miraculously repair his Andretti Autosport car and get it back out onto the grid. However, the team would have to serve a 10 lap penalty for working on the car under red flag conditions. On lap 82, Scott Dixon would lead Santino Ferrucci and Simon Pagano back to the green flag. Dixon would control the race through the green flag pit stops on lap 107, and then on lap 115, Will Power would make his push for the lead. Power would dart to the inside of Dixon going into turn 1, and snatch the lead away as inclement weather began to approach. The caution would then come out for severe weather in the area on lap 126, and then a short while later, the race would become official. 
Will Power would end his winless streak and continue his streak of 13 straight seasons of winning a race, dating back to 2007 in the Champ Car Series. And now looking at the race results, Will Power was the winner, followed by Scott Dixon in second, Simon Pagano third, rookie Santino Ferrucci in fourth, Joseph Newgarten fifth, Ed Carpenter sixth, Sebastian Bourdais seventh, Tony Kanaan eighth, Graham Rahal ninth, and Charlie Kimball in tenth. Then as we look at the standings, Joseph Newgarden leads Alexander Rossi by 35 points. He leads Simon Pagano by 40 points. Scott Dixon in fourth place right now is 52 points behind. And then Will Power is 128 points behind, and he is probably out of the championship picture. And now time for your winners and losers of the week. Starting off with the winners list, winner number three, Tony Kanaan for AJ Foyt Racing. I believe this is Kanan's first appearance on the winner's list, so congratulations to the legend. It's about time TK rises from the dark pit of misery, which is the back of the pack, and into the top 10. It's been well documented how frustrating and difficult it's been for Kanan and the entire AJ Foyt Racing team the past two seasons to muster anything remotely close to a top 10. However, this past weekend we saw a glimpse of the Kanan we're used to seeing on track. He was quickest in the lone two-hour practice session on Saturday, and he was able to maneuver his way from the, his 19th place starting position all the way to a season-best 8th place finish. Things have been looking up for Kanaan in the past couple weeks, especially on ovals, and he's been able to notch two top 10 finishes in the last three races. AJ Foyt Racing lacks severely on road and street courses, however, as of late, it seems like they've been able to find speed on ovals. I still firmly believe AJ Foyt Race needs a complete overhaul, and that is probably going to be happening in the next couple weeks. However, Sunday most definitely can be considered a win for the team, and hopefully they're able to bring that momentum in the gateway, where they've proven to be strong as well. Moving on to winner number two, the rookie phenom, Santino Ferrucci for Dale Coin Racing. Ferrucci has been the surprise of the season by far, bursting onto the scene and competing for top 10s almost every week, as well as having a couple pretty incredible crash avoidances in the process. Starting from 13th, Ferrucci was in the middle of the lap 1 chaos. However, Ferrucci came out of that carnage unscathed, thanks to his great driving skills and of course his spotter. After the red flag was lifted, Ferrucci continued his climb towards the front as he was able to march his way up to 5th after the restart. Green flag pit stops would vault Ferrucci as high as second, and he'd be sitting pretty right behind the five-time champion Scott Dixon after a caution. Pit stop strategy would get the best of the Dale Coyne racing team, and Ferrucci would wind up finishing fourth, tying his career best, which was at Texas in June. Pocono was the most complete race I've seen Ferrucci have in the IndyCar series to date, and it was overall just awesome to watch. Ferrucci had a fast car all weekend long, and then from the drop of the green flag, he kept pace with the leaders, and he was able to mix it up with the top drivers in the series for the majority of the race. In mid-Ohio, I felt Felix Rosenquist finally had his show-me-what-you're-made-of race, and this past Sunday at Pocono, Santino Ferrucci had his. IndyCar needs more young talent competing for wins on a weekly basis to help draw in that younger demographic. Ferrucci, along with his fellow rookie class in Rosenquist, Colton Herta, and Marcus Erickson are the fuel that will add to the fire of... Making IndyCar great again. Man, I feel like Donald Trump there for a second. Ah, oh boy. Yeah, I'm not going to go down that can of worms or anything. It's not like I'm at a conservative uh, school or anything, but just saying I, I'm not with any party. I'm not getting involved with any political crap. So anyway, let's go to winner number one before I get myself in trouble. Winner number one, drum roll please. <laughs> Will Power for Team Penske. After a tumultuous season to date, with driver errors, pit trouble, and an all-around frustrating season, Power was more determined than ever to knock the chip off his shoulder. 
The pressure is mounting for power to perform, especially with Joseph Newgarden leading the point standings and Simon Pagano sweeping the month of May and being in the championship hunt. At Team Penske, you better be winning races and competing for championships year in and year out, or you might lose your seat quickly. With that in the back of his mind, Power ran a clean, smart race in Pocono and found himself swapping the lead with Scott Dixon and teammate Simon Pagano for the majority of the race. Power would make the race's final pass for the lead over Scott Dixon, and then the rain would come, promptly ending the race a short while after. Even though Will Power isn't in the championship hunt, winning in Pocono was a message to the rest of the field that he's not only back to peak form, but he'll be a serious threat come next season. And here we go for our top three losers of the week. Sorry guys, you're not losers, but I gotta go with it. Anyway, loser number three, James Hinchcliffe for Aero Schmidt Peterson Motorsports. If anyone's had the more frustrating last two weeks, arguably it has to be the mayor of Hinchtown. In mid-Ohio, on lap one, he gets taken out by Takuma Sato and teammate Marcus Erickson. Now this past week in Pocono, Hinchcliffe was yet again a bystander that would get caught up in someone else's mess on lap one. Aero Schmidt Peterson Motorsports would be able to repair the car and get Hinch back out on the track, but he'd eventually have to call it a day in 20th after getting black flagged for failing to maintain minimum speed. Just a couple weeks ago, it seemed as if Hinchcliffe's fortunes had officially turned around, as he began to put together consistent top 10 finishes for three straight weeks, including a season-best third in Iowa. Arrow, SPM, and James Hinchcliffe have really been on the wrong end of luck for the past two years, it seems, and no matter what they do, something always seems to go wrong. There's no denying Hinchcliffe is one of the most talented drivers in the paddock right now. With Aero SPM's deal with McLaren on the horizon, I truly believe Hinchcliffe should look elsewhere to continue his career. I know I touched on it last week, but it's been a culmination of things, including a near-death injury in 2015, missing the Indy 500 in 2018, nearly missing the Indy 500 this year, and only being able to salvage a high of 10th in points throughout his six-year stint with the team. Aero Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports is a good team, and they've really been able to grow since Hinchcliffe's arrival back in 2014, but they won't be able to compete consistently with the bulls of IndyCar in Team Penske and Chip Ganassi Racing until they work those kinks out. I like the move to partner with McLaren, and I believe it could pay big dividends in the near future, but I'm not expecting much of an improvement out of the team next year. It's going to take time to switch over from Honda to Chevrolet, and then figure out the dynamic with the two sides. Obviously, the driver lineup is nowhere near set in stone, and I believe Hinchcliffe is better off going somewhere else like Dale Coyne Racing or Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. He'd be able to stay loyal to Honda Canada, and he'd see better results and consistency racing for either of those two teams. Needless to say, these next couple months will be very interesting to watch and see what James Hinchcliffe, last year's most popular driver, decides to do. Loser number two, Takuma Sato for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Phew, Sato's had an eventful past month and a half. <laughs> Let's try and recap it all without starting to cry or anything. We have to go all the way back to Toronto in early July. Running fifth, he ends up having an electrical fire and he retires from the race in 22nd. In Iowa, while running in the top five once again, tire degradation would whip him back into the teens and he'd end up in a crash with Sage Karam. That would leave him with a finish of 20th in Iowa. Mid-Ohio comes rolling in, Sato dive bombs on lap 1, collects the Arrow SPM boys, and he finishes 19th. Now that brings us to Pocono. Sato decides to take it 3 wide on lap 1, and he ends up triggering a horrific accident and he winds up in 21st. I'll comment more on that Pocono controversy in a bit. What was once considered his best season in IndyCar, Sato's season has spiraled downward more than the Atlanta Falcons' 28-3 lead versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Boom roasted. 
before his drastic slide, Sato was solidly fifth in points, and now he finds himself all the way back in eighth. There's been a lot of heat going his way after Pocono, as expected, but if anyone can rebound at any moment and turn his fortunes around, it's Takuma Sato. He's fearless, and I have no doubt he'll be able to put the past couple weeks behind him and look towards getting back on the podium in Gateway. Loser number one. I think this is the first time he's even been on the losers list. Loser number one, Alexander Rossi for Andretti Autosport. If anyone had the most to gain and the most to lose on Sunday, it was Alexander Rossi. Coming into Pocono, Rossi was able to cut the points lead all the way down to 15 points after a massive mistake by Joseph Newgarden on the last lap in mid-Ohio. Starting from second, Rossi had a superb opportunity to take advantage and narrow that points gap even more. However, the start of the race was an absolute nightmare for the 2016 Indy 500 champion, as he would 1. have a terrible start, and then get caught up in that crash with Takuma Sato and teammate Ryan hunter Ray one corner later. Despite the team being able to repair the car and get him back out on track, he would only be able to muster an 18th place finish, 89 laps down. Sunday would be a devastating blow for Rossi and the entire Andretti Autosport team, leaving them with little to no room for error. Trying to beat Joseph Newgarden and Team Penske in the championship hunt with three races to go seems nearly impossible, especially with a 35-point deficit. However, you can never count out Alexander Rossi, especially when he's first pissed off and more motivated than ever. If Rossi is able to make a late charge and notch a win before the finale, he's in prime position to go head-to-head against Newgarden and Laguna Seca for a winner-take-all championship battle. And now what everybody is talking about in the IndyCar universe right now is that Pocono crash. Uh, the question I have is that I'll answer here in a second is why do these type of accidents keep happening at Pocono? Now going in, I wanted to listen to a lot of current and former drivers' opinions, as well as any experts that I could find before making any judgment or opinions. I'm honestly torn straight down the middle of this debate, and I've read a lot of comments on Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards, and there's so many different opinions that make sense. I think it comes down to a couple different factors. Number one, the drivers don't have the same respect for Pocono as they do at Indianapolis. Drivers know the Indy 500 is a long, grueling race, and they have to be patient. The desire to win at Indianapolis is obviously way bigger than winning at places like Pocono or Texas combined. However, I think drivers get too caught up in the state of mind that they have to push the issue on starts and restarts. Yes, drivers in the IndyCar series have to be aggressive to gain position on track, but dumb moves like Takuma Sato made on Sunday crosses the line of aggressive and just plain stupid. Ed Carpenter said during the red flag that it's not the type of racing or the racetrack. It's not having respect for your fellow drivers. I personally love Sato's motto, no attack, no chance, but his bonehead moves like that that can easily create a horrifying, fatal crash in the blink of an eye. You have to be looking out for your fellow competitors. I've heard it time and time again in IndyCar how much drivers put an emphasis on protecting each other at places like Indianapolis, Texas, and Pocono, where they're inches apart going 210 plus miles per hour. The last thing they want to have happen is a situation too eerily similar to Dan Weldon's fatal crash in 2011, and Robert Wickens crashed last year. Sato tweeted Sunday night, I'm sorry I was involved with Alexander Rossi for the championship. It looks like he was squeezed by both Ryan Hunter-Ray and I, and if you reference seams on the racetrack, Alex clearly moved up. We all were racing very close, and unfortunately we made contact. I'm sorry, but no camera angle showed Rossi moving up in any regard. Rossi quickly responded, saying to Sato, I think you'll find that if you watch the video, it was you moving down trying to get old Scotty D's toe, which caused this whole situation, with the hashtag try again. 
Sato, a bit later on Sunday night, also tweeted out an onboard camera from his perspective. I'll admit, it really didn't look like Sato moved down or crowded anyone, but it comes down to this. It's a 500 mile race, and you're making a move that jeopardizes the race and life of you, the two guys beside you, and everyone else behind you on lap one. A handful of drivers have said how much they despise the racing at Pocono, including Robert Wickens. Wickens tweeted out after the crash, How many times do we have to go through the same situation before we can all accept that an IndyCar should not race at Pocono? It's just a toxic relationship and maybe it's time to consider a divorce. Sage Karam also went to social media to voice his opinion on the issues as well. I don't want people to think that I dislike Pocono. I think it's a great track, it's just not meant for IndyCars. We need to be smart and move on and go to tracks that fit these cars. I love oval racing and I want it in IndyCar. I just simply don't love IndyCar at Pocono. On the flip side, however, after the race, some drivers defended the track as well. Scott Dixon said in the press conference how bad he felt for Pocono Raceway and mentioned how much he's noticed that an improvement in fan attendance for the past few seasons. Dixon also said how the incidents in the past at Pocono, like Justin Wilson in 2015 and obviously Robert Wickens last year, it can happen anywhere. One thing that stood out to me the most is when Dixon said the drivers can do a better job to help so that situation doesn't happen. Pocono winner Will Power also acknowledged the fact that those incidents could have happened anywhere, and he hopes Pocono stays on the schedule moving forward. I still remember last year after Robert Wickens' accident, and Sebastian Bourdais looked absolutely terrified on pit road, and he initially refused to get back into the race car after the drivers had been called to their cars. It's a tough situation, because on one hand, the racing is insane when it's clean, but on the other hand, it's extremely dangerous. IndyCar is in an extremely tough spot, and I really don't think there's a good solution to the problem. Pocono continues to draw more of a crowd for the race every year. Attendance has been up 15% every year since the race came back in 2013. If IndyCar continues their partnership with Pocono for the next couple seasons, there's going to be a lot of backlash as well. One thing I found very interesting is what Mario Andretti had to say uh, to the morning call. He said, Pocono is not for sissies. They don't call it the tricky triangle for nothing. It's something to conquer, not to walk away from. It would be a grave mistake for IndyCar not to go back to Pocono. That's my clear position, and I don't mind expressing it. I would be very, very sad if the race is not continued. I was delighted when it finally came back on the schedule in 2013. I have made my position very clear, and I have spoken with the powers that be at IndyCar as recently as Tuesday. I personally think it would be a bigger loss for IndyCar than for Pocono, quite honestly. Andretti also said, there are two sides to every story. I speak to Pocono and they tell me IndyCar is not responsive, and I talk to Indy and they say the opposite, that Pocono is not all that thrilled. It's all about getting down to business rather than dealing with emotions. And then Adam Stern tweeted out uh, a couple hours ago, the scenario of IndyCar adding Richmond to the 2020 schedule and subtracting Pocono Raceway is still seen as the most likely outcome per sources. Still, Pocono isn't making it easy on IndyCar as the track saw another increase in attendance and sponsorship last week. So yeah, as Mario Andretti said, IndyCar is in a very tough spot with Pocono, and there's not going to be one clear-cut answer that's going to be like the, the best answer possible. The fact of the matter is this. IndyCar racing is dangerous and a potentially fatal accident can happen anywhere. Look back at the 2017 Indianapolis 500 when Scott Dixon had that horrifying crash that sent him flying into the inside wall. If his car would have landed any differently on that wall, Dixon might not have survived. What about Joseph Newgarden's crash at Texas back in 2016? He walked away with a broken clavicle and wrists and raced the next event in Road America. Newgarden's accident in Texas also could have been fatal. 
Sebastian Bourdais and James Hinchcliffe have also had near-death experiences at Indianapolis, and if it wasn't for a hint of luck, those two might also not be with us today. Indianapolis, Texas, and Pocono are all equally dangerous, in their own way. Pocono, unfortunately, has had one too many horrific accidents in back-to-back -back years, and both of those crashes are still fresh in everyone's memory. I don't know what the outcome of the situation will be, but all I hope is for the drivers to take care of each other out on the track because the next time something like that happens, someone won't be so lucky and IndyCar will be making headlines for the wrong reasons. There unfortunately won't be any shut your fuel cell, dumbest Twitter comments of the week, just because, you know, the nature of that, that accident from Pocono left a lot of people bashing other drivers and I'm not going to go into that just with, you know, the only thing I will say is I thought it was kind of clever but kind of stupid as well. Uh, somebody basically changed Takuma Sato's name and called him Krishu Masato, which is kind of clever, but I'm not going to bother reading into those. It's just a bunch of hate, and it's just pointing fingers, and I'm not going to bother trying to get into that. So, moving on to our promo for this weekend's race. This weekend, the NTT IndyCar Series heads to Gateway on Saturday night for a 500-mile short track showdown. With two races left before the season's finale in Laguna Seca, every position for the championship contenders is crucial. Will Alexander Rossi be able to make up for lost points on leader Joseph Newgarden, or will the Iceman, Scott Dixon, continue his hot streak on podiums and make a bid for the championship? Make sure to tune into the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Gateway on Saturday, August 24th at 8pm Eastern on NBCSN. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter, at BehindCatch, and Instagram, at Behind underscore the underscore catch underscore fence. Thanks for listening, I'll catch you guys later.